Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And my special guest today is Dr. Teresa Deicher, president of Sound Choice Pharmaceuticals Institute. And today we're going to be talking about vaccines. As most of you remember, uh, just this past legislative session, they, there was an attempt to make vas- vaccines mandatory. It didn't quite make it, but we expect to see this again uh, in the next session. And so what we'd like to talk about today, doctor, is one, first I'd like to start off with regular childhood vaccines. Should they be mandatory? There's a lot of people who who have thoughts on either side of this. What are your thoughts on that? No, I do not think that uh, medicine for a well child should ever be mandatory. It should be up to the parent's discretion. And um, all drugs, all vaccines have side effects. And the parents should be the ones to determine with their physician, with their doctor, um, what is best for their child. There has been a push um, that vaccines should be mandatory so that we can protect immunocompromised people. And while I believe that sentiment is laudable, as the mother of a child who was severely immunocompromised, I know that I can protect my own child without forcing other people to inject themselves uh, with a vaccine that they do not uh, want. And so, I mean, the, the the example the politicians use is, you know, measles outbreaks and everything's going to be terrible. But, I mean, is that really a concern parents should have? I mean, if you get the measles, you get the measles. It's kind of like the chicken pox, isn't it, like years ago? Well, you know, deaths from measles are, are zero now because of medical management. Um, so uh, it, it's not the danger that, that everyone makes it out to be. What I find interesting is, you know, we had this um, state of emergency declared in Washington State over a recent measles outbreak, which was, you know, less than 75 to 100 people. And um, uh, such a big deal was made over it. At the same time, we have had a viral meningitis outbreak at the University of Washington. My own older son was infected. Very, very serious disease. Right. And you don't, you don't hear about it in the news. There's no state of emergency. There's no vaccine for it. And people die from that. So and people can die from right. viral meningitis. Right. Have, it's not as bad as bacterial. Oh, okay, bacterial. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Right, right. But they, they can die from viral meningitis, and it can have serious long-term consequences, including vision loss and uh, disrupted gait. Well, I mean, it's good to hear uh, that. And yet we heard nothing about it. Yeah, no, we yeah. don't, because I, so, I haven't heard. But you, you'll, sh- you'll see a picture be, on the Internet with a child with, full of measles, and that's, that's the warning call to everybody. Absolutely. And there just seems to be um, a very uh, interesting... Uh, connection between um, diseases with vaccines and the response and the um, panic that is generated by our elected officials, by the media, by MDs, by the hospital systems themselves. Now you're in you're in the pharmaceutical business. Is this because these are money makers and there's big money behind this? 
Well, they're huge money makers, and unless there's pretty much forced vaccination, the pharmaceutical companies won't make the billions of dollars that they do make. And the reason for that is if parents with an objective open mind truly investigated the risks versus the dangers of vaccines, many more parents would choose not to have the vaccines. And we are seeing more and more people choosing not to, right? Absolutely. And that's why there's a a push now um, for mandatory vaccinations and punishment of people, actual punishment of people. The principles of the Hippocratic Oath, which our medical students no longer take when they graduate, are first, do no harm. And that has been dropped. So there is not even any discussion or consideration of that. And more importantly, we don't hear the media or our public officials talking about the children who have genetic susceptibilities that make it highly likely that they will be harmed. And in many cases, seriously and permanently harmed by vaccines. Well, and there are some, you know, I do hear concerns, too, about uh, vaccines causing autism. Is that what, 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 you know, what's the facts on that? Well, unfortunately, the facts on that are missing uh, because no one is willing to do the appropriate studies to determine the causation or lack of causation. And the studies that have been done uh, that the media uh, like to tout, claiming that there is no association between vaccines and autism, have not been appropriately done. So, a vaccine contains the virus, a virus, an attenuated version of a virus that they want to get immunity to, as well as other biologically active ingredients. Some of these are called adjuvants. And what those adjuvants do is they, um, by themselves, prime and activate uh, what can be a very serious immune response and an immune response um, we all know when we have an immune response we get a fever and a headache and we're vomiting that those immune responses when out of control can actually be deadly and cause multiple organ failure and um, there the studies that have been done for vaccine safety took the virus out and compared the adjuvants only to the adjuvants with the virus, the adjuvants and the other components right. in the vaccine to, to those components with the virus. And they, they didn't see a lack of adverse events. They didn't, what they saw was that adding the virus didn't increase the harm. But if the adjuvants and the other components are biologically active, which they are, and are themselves causing the harm, that does not say that that vaccine is safe. What they need to do is compare the adjuvants and the other components to saline. They have never done that. Is there a reason why people don't want to do that? Is it just a cost thing? Or what, what's the, what would be the reason for not making sure our children are safe? Or, I mean, the, reason, the reason not to do good science, right. The reason to do poor science, they, I'm sure they know the dangers of those adjuvants. They don't want to see them. They want to have a perception that vaccines are safe. If they were really interested in the safety, they would do good science. 
and the right clinical trials. They have never done that. Well, which is scary. Is that why you? Uh, is that what you do? And what what do you do in your uh, business with Sound Choice Pharmaceuticals? In 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 order, do you try to do tech? Can you do testing to prove these things? Or what are you guys doing? Our focus is on the human fetal DNA contaminants that are found in very high levels in these vaccines. Right. And no safety testing has ever been done on those contaminants. As you know, the baby develops in the womb and is ready to be born, the placenta begins to break down. And what happens is that DNA, fetal DNA fragments from the baby accumulate in the mother's bloodstream. And when they reach a certain level, the level is 0.22 nanograms per mil of blood, they activate an immune receptor called the toll-like receptor 9. And what that does is it causes the mom to make antibodies to the fetal DNA. And then those antibodies travel through the mom's blood, and when they see the baby with the fetal DNA, they elicit a profound immune rejection of that baby. And that is what triggers labor and delivery. So this is a massive immune response. Right. When we inject our children with vaccines that are manufactured in human fetal cell lines, the levels of the fetal DNA reach up to 20 to 40 times higher than the levels that trigger labor and delivery. So it is beyond question that those levels are going to activate a profound immune response in in our children and a potentially extremely dangerous immune response in our children. And so fetal cells came about right right in the 1970s when that became popular, right? Something like that. The first vaccine that was manufactured in human fetal cells was approved by the FDA in the end of 1979. Okay. And it's right after that that autism began to rise in the United States. And every time a second dose of one of those vaccines or a new human fetal manufactured vaccine is introduced to the market, autism rates begin to rise at higher levels, and they're directly associated with the number of human fetal manufactured vaccines and the levels of contaminants in those vaccines. So before that vaccine in 1979 came out, what were they using to make the vaccines? Animal cells, chick eggs. Why the switch? Uh, they believed that it th- that it would be um, more economical, and so their um, return, their financial return, would be higher. Um, it turns out they were incorrect, but that's why they made that switch. And they don't want to admit that they were wrong, so they just keep on doing it. Um, they don't want to um, take a slight expense to change the manufacturing back. It would be an expense, but considering the profits they make, a very minor one, uh, when you look at the billions and billions of dollars that they make um, each year on the vaccines, it could be um, anywhere from a $10 million up to a $50 million um, uh, cost to switch back. Which for them is sounds like a lot of money to us, but for them that's not a lot of money. No, that's nothing. Right. That's, that's a that, rounding error. Right, that's a drop in the bucket. 
And so why don't we hear more about this? I mean, you know, you will on, you know, if you go on certain sites or whatever, but in terms of nationally, nobody seems to be blowing that trumpet. I know you guys are, but I mean, why is it so quiet out there? I mean, with everything we've talked about is not that good. And And they're portraying it as, hey, this is great for your kids. I think that there are so many reasons at play. It would be a much longer conversation to talk about them. One of those reasons, one of the reasons that I think we do have time to talk about is that there's a perception, and it's an incorrect perception, but there's a perception that the Catholic Church has said that this is just fine, this is no big deal. And that is not what the Catholic Church has said. The Catholic Church has said that when there is no alternative, a parent should weigh the risks, and if there is grave, grave is the word, grave health danger to their children, they may use the fetal vaccine, but they must uh, protest and they must actively work to see that alternatives are brought to market. And the only thing that is disseminated is that parents may use the vaccines. So the full truth of the Catholic teaching has been, has been hidden. And so when, when Catholics accept that, um, it, you know, it's a, it, it's a problem. Is there an easy way to find out if it's if there is grave danger to a child so that they would need the vaccine? I mean, is it pretty easy to figure that out? Well, if you go onto the CDC website, you can uh, look at um, it's from the CDC themselves. I mean, those numbers are out there, but but you have to you have to open your eyes and look for them and not listen to someone blindly, um, you know, telling you what to do with your child and. What I find alarming is that I doubt that there are many uh, physicians or pediatricians who know how the vaccines actually elicit immunity. They don't learn that anymore. They don't understand it. Right. And the pathway that these human fetal DNA fragments activate is the same pathway that is activated by DNA viruses. So, for instance, the chickenpox virus. And they acknowledge we have activation in an immune response to the chickenpox virus. The fetal DNA contaminants are two times higher, if you only talk about double-stranded, eight times higher, if you include single-stranded DNA. And yet, people deny that there's going to be any biologic response. And anyone who makes that statement is either... Um, you know, not informed about immunology or virology, or they're not telling the truth. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and, and every kid when I was growing up got chicken pox, or almost everybody, and you know what, it was uncomfortable and whatever, but you moved on. I mean, we're making it sound like, geez, we, we were trying to protect you from everything, when in reality, they're putting you in grave danger, potentially. Potentially. Um, I think that the numbers of children in the U.S. now with a chronic and serious illness is 34%. 34% of our children are chronically ill. We never had that. We didn't have autistic children in our classrooms. Um, it, it, it's a travesty what we are doing to our children. 
Well, yeah, it's 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 criminal is really what it is because you're not even telling them the truth. You're lying to people all, and it and it all comes down to money, right? It, whether it's abortion or whatever well, we're talking about, money is uh, rules things. Right. Right. Well, unfortunately, uh, it's not actually criminal because in 1986, Congress gave the pharmaceutical companies carte blanche immunity for adverse reactions to childhood vaccines. So they, they are not responsible to make vaccines safe. Now, over $4 billion has been paid out by the U.S. government uh, to vaccine-injured children, and uh, less than 10% of vaccine injuries are actually ever reported to the system because parents don't know about that, and there's a three-year statute of limitations. But the drug companies are not liable when a vaccine hurts a child. Well, so they have no incentive to do the right studies or to make vaccines safe. Well, it may not be legally criminal, but in in the eyes of common sense, it's it's criminal what they're getting away with. I think it's just silly, and I didn't realize they had carte blanche yeah. since for for that yeah. many years to do whatever they want with no repercussions. No, they have no repercussions. So it, is, is, it is ethically criminal. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. So. What can be done? I mean, people need to speak up. I probably need to speak to their legislators. But what can be done in order to, like, could a company like yours or somebody use, go back to the animal uh, uh, cells and use those for vaccines? Or is this big, big pharmaceutical ha- pharmaceuticals have the market cornered and that's it? Oh, no. Companies can go to... Um, alternative cell lines. We could license in um, vaccines from Japan. And there's not they're not widely used because they're small companies making them, but they make them in um, in fresh animal cells, which is safer than using cell lines, even safer than using animal cell lines. And they don't put any adjuvants in their vaccines. It's only in saline. So the um, you know. The profit to these small companies is not as great, but there are companies doing the right thing, and those vaccines could be readily brought in to the U.S., and their safety and efficacy data are far superior to the vaccines that our children receive. My guess is the the national pharmaceutical companies within the United States would try to block anybody trying to do something like that, Right. Well, they certainly do. They blocked me. Oh, have they? <laughs> you are correct. Yes, they have. So how do, how do they block you by doing it? Do they just, you know, the doctors just won't use it? Or how do, they, how do they go about blocking people who are trying to do the right thing? They actually sent a rather threatening letter to the Japanese government. Wow. And it's not like pharmaceutical, you... Good. The pharmaceutical industries are the most powerful companies in the world. People think that the gun lobby is powerful. The gun lobby has no power. The pharmaceutical companies, they contribute so much money to uh, all of our officials, local, statewide, federal, and they own government across the world. And they, they have a stranglehold on them because 
governments are really concerned about biologic warfare. And that is how the pharmaceutical companies get away with this. They won't make vaccines on a rapid basis if there is a biological warfare. And so in order to get them to be willing to do that and be responsive, concessions are made, huge concessions. They were given carte blanche immunity. You know, they can shut down alternative vaccines. And those concessions are basically our kids. I mean, in the end, I mean, well, like, let's not go worry about the kids, but because we got to worry about biological warfare. Yes, and and it, 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 this is a, a, a huge national security issue, and it it doesn't need to be because alternative vaccines are available; they could be readily brought in. We could go back to the days back in the '60s when it was actually government labs making vaccines. Right. So if the pharmaceutical company doesn't want to be involved, there are clearly alternatives that can protect our national security and not harm our children. Is there an age where it's even more dangerous for children? Like, you know, when you get your first set of shots, by the time you're, you know, three or four or five, it's less dangerous. Is there a time at the child's development where it's even more critical that you got to be careful with these vaccines or does it not matter? No, it it does matter, and we have to be very careful um, until the time when brain remodeling is complete in a child. And brain remodeling happens from a few months after birth, um, and and typically is over by three years of age, but in some kids, not till, you know, four or five, so there's a range. And during that time, if a child has antibodies to fetal DNA, they are at risk of having an autoimmune attack on their own brain when they go through this remodeling process and 70 to 90% of their nerve cells die off. It's a selection process where we choose the nerve cells we're going to be using for life. And, and if the child has already been given a human fetal manufactured vaccine, uh, and has made antibodies uh, to the human um, fetal DNA, they are indeed um, at, a, at a risk. So if you're a parent listening to this, this show, what would, you, what would you suggest they do to protect their children? Um, well, I, I, several, several things. Um, Make sure you you think critically and you read objectively. Don't be afraid to stand up and say no. People, people, especially Catholics, they don't want to say no to the fetal cells because they don't want to look like they're regressive. And I, I've heard this from people. Someone right. tell me, I I want I want to be progressive. Well, what is so progressive about chopping up human babies and using them for biomedical research? And making cell lines from them for vaccine manufacture. Yeah, that's what barbaric. Is so progressive. That's barbaric. That's right. not progressive. We should never be ashamed to stand up against human exploitation. There's nothing progressive about that. It's barbaric and it's beneath the dignity of a civilized society. So they need to educate themselves, be willing to say no, right? So far. Anything else? Right. 
Well, I know several families who have delayed vaccines until the last possible moment, like after three years of age or the day before they go to kindergarten. But I would strongly, strongly discourage any parent from trying to go in and make up all the vaccines on one day. That is extremely dangerous to their child. It sounds like a lethal cocktail, potentially. It's a potentially lethal cocktail all at once. So I, I don't think it's a bad idea for parents to delay. Um, and we need to find our voice. If we said, no, we will not use these vaccines, we would have alternatives and we could have them within a few months. So can people get more information on your website to better educate themselves? They can. It's www dot sound dot o-r-g and then you have you have stuff on vaccines and probably other stuff too right uh we do because our mission is to end human exploitation in biomedical research and and in medicine and that's not just the use of fetal cell lines it's um, organ harvest the black market or organ harvesting that goes on uh we do have links or we can provide them to other groups who have really fantastic information, uh, more, um, uh, more, you know, just honed in on vaccines, like the National Vaccine Information Center, NBIC. States are now uh, finding groups coming together, coalitions for, uh, you know, parents' um, choice, for vaccine freedom, for vaccine choice. And all of those organizations are, are really great. What, what I find is so powerful right now that when we began working on this issue in 2008, so organizations worked independently. And for the most part, they didn't collaborate. And they had their own theory and they had their own specific concern. And what has happened over the last five years or even more all of these organizations are now coming together and we're working together. And I'm not just concerned about the fetal DNA fragments. I'm concerned about the aluminum. I'm concerned about the glyphosate. I'm concerned about the number of vaccinations that our children get. And I've always had those concerns. I can only focus on one area. Right, right. Um, But what's happening is all these organizations are coming together and saying, Okay, we're no longer just worried about aluminum. We heard you talk. We're worried about these fetal DNA fragments, too. And, and we are not pro-life, but you don't have to be pro-life to know that this is wrong and dangerous.